0: riffs. to gain it for riffs the only podcast about riff jonathan thanks for playing us in how are you doing this week doing fine we're back on fridays again it's slightly different
1: friday i guess i didn't have time to even buy beer so i'm sitting here with banana and coffee that's healthy i guess it's kind of it still brings you up a little bit and uh, yeah i've been doing good i think time time's been flying since last time i felt like it was yesterday uh, it was this Monday, I guess. So it was four days ago or something like that. And yeah. Nice to see a good reception on, on, on the Tool and Uncle Acid
0: episode. Yeah, very good. Yeah, we're back yeah. in style. Uh, and I'm also sitting here drinking uh, coffee. The sun is shining. It's a really beautiful uh, sun cat, as you say in Swedish. Solkater on the wall in front of me. This looks very psychedelic with uh, uh, coming through the window, coming through... Um, the trees and it's just a wonderful day actually and I'm very happy to share it with you, Jonathan, and you dear listener Nice, probably some uh, fractals involving Fibonacci
1: sequences in in those sun reflections, right?
0: Totally, I'm going to take a picture of it and then we'll uh, maybe post it
1: It It Maybe post it or Fibonacci eyes it You can make a crossover Fibonacci eyes
0: Fibonacci eyes (laughs) (laughs) Fibonacci eyes
1: Yes, yeah, so it's good. I mean, uh, overall, it's nice. We've we've began, I guess, like entering a second phase of of how we do this show in 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 um, on the other side of it. I mean, on the release side, it's pretty much the same as it used to be. But we record it more like directly now and uh, yeah. release it way short after recording it, which I guess feels fresh and nice. I mean, in the beginning, obviously, we had to buffer up so that we wouldn't, you know, sit with our beards in the mailbox, <laughs> as we say in Sweden. <laughs> <laughs>
0: No, uh it, it, we we more ha- we have more of the South Park approach of uh, six days to air when they yeah. uh, <laughs> they made the episodes the week before uh, airing just to be very, you know, uh current yeah. but it also proved every week to be just a st- very stressful uh, thing and uh, they you know they sit drink coffee and Throw ideas around on the Monday, on the Tuesday, they have nothing, on Wednesday, they have nothing, on Thursday, they have nothing, and on Friday, they just take yeah. an idea out of the bin that wasn't that bad and they just do that with the spin yeah. on the contemporary topics. No, I, <laughs> I, like I love that. that documentary. I love that documentary, especially because that
1: episode was not a particularly good one. It was Human Centipede or Sent iPad, perhaps. And uh, yeah, like very at the end, Matt, Matt is sitting with like, shit, it's not good. I don't like this episode. and <laughs> Neither do I, actually. I'm a huge South Park fan. So I love that they kind of made a documentary on that particular one, which was not a, a huge success. Uh, in similar vein to, I guess, uh, some kind of monster, you know. Metallica it's, are kind of failing on camera Yeah,
0: in that one. It's interesting... Uh, I think I think they can still. I mean, the, I'm trying to tie this in to the making of podcasts, but I'm thinking of South Park specifically because they have this approach of being a bit relaxed around the making of it, um, and then it often like it's sometimes the, the risk is there's very high risk that they put out a bad episode because it's you know not that much thought behind it, not that many people telling them you know this is not good, uh, you know like something that would be in production for half a year or a few months you know the, it's yeah. but that can also be become neutered and uninteresting in a way so i, I think it's more it's a bit ballsy to have um, uh, to risk putting out a bad episode and i think uh, what we're doing now when we are so uh, in line with our <laughs> yeah. release date that we really run that risk you know and I, but it's okay because it can also give uh, that extra urgency intention that's needed to bring out the best in our our brains that come up with these words yeah <laughs> it's it's like it's, when i say it it feels very difficult <laughs>
1: yeah. yeah man how could it even happen i don't know so every week <laughs> let's see if, week, I, if, if i start out with my brain hands fruits. today maybe yeah mm-hmm. start out with my hands instead of my brain and see see where it goes i have a, a really heavy riff today Oof. Nice. Which is nice. So I'm I'm uh, down uh, way low in tuning, but I'm uh, usually these days I'm sheeting when I'm tuning down with the uh, with the help of a DigiTech pedal, so I don't have to use these mm. strings by the size of a water pipe, you know, drain drainage.
0: Uh, it's funny because I'm actually tuned up. You're tuned up, so or with the capo. So, oh. But uh, I I'll be the second one out, so uh, it'll be interesting. We have the the the, lo- the biggest. With in frequencies ever in It for riffs, I guess. Yeah, probably, probably. I mean, uh, listen to this tone.
1: That wasn't the riff, but that's how low it is.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that sounded the same pretty pretty much. Octaver. (laughs) (laughs) I got a pretty heavy tone today, though, so it maybe doesn't matter. I mean, this this sounded the same with. (laughs) Well I okay, can I ask you the, or, uh, I, this is actually interesting. Yeah. Um yeah. tuning down we talked about it a little bit. Um it makes sense in in like um, ergonomic uh, reason, you know, like to to be able to play yeah. with mutilated fingers. Um but does it really get heavier? That's the question. That's a good question maybe. It is. It is. Um. If you remember, we we I played the uh, Dinosaur Junior the other week, a couple of weeks ago, and um, yeah, uh, they had a they have capos up on fifth fret, and you can still make really heavy riffs. I mean, that's, it's like when yeah. I, w- I start was starting out, you know, tuning down. Of course, that makes it heavier, but does it really? That's um, that's actually that's a good th- question.
1: Yeah, and I mean, when I started out, it was the same. It was like to even consider playing. Uh, in standard or even in D was kind of a weak idea. It was like, of course you want to be heavy, right? So I mean, you're you're blocking your heaviness. That's the thought we had. Like, if you mm-hmm. don't tune down to C or at least C sharp, you're you're blocking yourself out of all these heavy riffs. And uh, I think yeah, I think it was probably a little bit um, naive on that part. And then <laughs> I mean, it was slightly uh, changed when Opeth came around because they stayed in E standard for the most part, and they managed to get it really heavy. So I think we started to realize that okay, you can write riffs in a heavy manner. Mm. Uh, same with the Haunted when they came out. Uh, I mean, At the Gates used to be in B, and then Haunted comes in E flat, and arguably, you know, procure more heavy yeah. parts but, and riffs.
0: But but there, it has a lot to do with uh, uh, with what type of guitar you're playing. At least this, uh, whether you decide to play E flat or E standard, that. Uh, like a Stratocaster or a Telecaster sounds really good in uh, E flat. It's like it's made for that uh, tuning. While a uh, Gibson uh, doesn't sound as good. It sounds better in uh, E standard. It's something I learned just recently. I don't know if you agree with this, but uh... yeah, it's also a little bit about scale length. Yeah. Uh, Gibson has short scale, so they get really floopy very
1: quickly. But like uh, you can be lucky too. Like some SGs, really, they they kind of even with the short scale, they sound great in C. Uh, yeah. with the, i mean proper string gauge of course so it's a uh, it's a little bit of a game of luck i think but tuning down a les paul i find very hard to make it sound good i mean I've, there are examples of it so obviously it's possible but mm. uh, it was always like gear and kukarur yeah, yeah. <laughs> we, we don't even that need from to that our,
0: our dear friend and uh, g- 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 musical <laughs> colleague joppe <Yeah. laughs> joppe he's yeah. been mentioned before uh, we will mention him again Ho- hopefully we'll feature his band in the future yeah be nice yeah, yeah.
1: You now he told me the whole the whole shebang of uh, starting to record music and uh, you know get my gear together so I guess we can thank him for the sound that's coming out of my guitar now and of uh, my voice now <laughs> yeah uh, which I will use to get cracking simple as that so here comes this severely down-tuned riff nice <laughs>
0: There we go. Small little riff. All right. Uh, You recognize it. I recognize it. Um, ah, Can I even guess this? Uh, No, I I don't think I can. Can I guess the tuning? Yeah. Are you drop B? Uh, Drop A. Drop A. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, of course. You're
1: C and then drop. Yeah. But physically, the guitar is in in drop D. So listen to this. There we go. Back to my guitar tuning. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which means I can play more riffs from this band because uh, it will be easier. i started by purpose with a hard one, so take right. this one instead.
0: Yeah, Still I, a blank? I know the <laughs> riffs, uh, but it, it's just uh, it's a block. Who are they? All right, the uh, last one, and then you will, you will get it on the okay, last one. OK, thanks. <laughs> Ooh, OK, I know what it is. It's the, the big guys from uh, Georgia, Atlanta, Georgia, right? Yeah, exactly. Master on,
1: nice, cool. The first one was uh, off of an early album, so it, that I don't even listen to that often. Um, it's called uh, "March of the Fire Ants." There, mm. and I always sh- switch up the
0: notes there, so I think it's yeah. That sounds about right. Mm. Are you playing a pull off there? It's not a hammer on, right? um yeah it's um it's it's actually a hammer on yeah is it okay if, is i it?
1: mean it's hammer it's a hammer on pull-off because it's uh, oh, okay it just from sound it sounds to me
0: if for some reason that you start with the pull-off but uh yeah um uh, yeah i don't know it was uh, just maybe uh, you uh, said like it's backwards
1: <laughs> yeah exactly uh, anyway yeah, it's just okay. uh, the, the idea was to bring up master on and it, actually I, th- I got the idea from you yeah, we talked about it the other day, because you hit a bit of a flu, and then you said, yeah, maybe you can just come in and play a bunch of Mastodon riffs.
0: <laughs> <You> know, that's <laughs> so why it was so hard one. for me to guess, because it's like, <laughs> no, it can't be Mastodon. And we're like, okay, and the, then, uh, yeah, Blood and Thunder was the last one, right? Yeah, and Oblivion in the middle, so mm, three different oh yes, three different beautiful. albums. So freaking good. Ah, yeah. oh, nice. Um, yeah, they, they, Tell us, tell uh, tell me about uh, when did you hear Mastodon the first time? Yeah, it's pretty interesting
1: actually. I I went and saw Slayer, um, and uh, they played. I think it was Slayer and Slipknot on that tour, uh, and uh, I recall that uh, I was at the time. I was I'm still not really a Slipknot fan. I don't really dig that band so much. But at the time, I was less of a Slipknot fan. But then I saw like okay, opening before these two bands is a band called Mastodon. And I had heard, I think, um, Megalodon or something like that. No, yeah, maybe on a, like a close-up. We mentioned that album, that magazine before. So, like on a close-up CD, I heard him, and uh, I recall exactly the moment when I became a Mastodon fan. Actually, <laughs> like by the second, and it was in a song called Megalodon uh, from the cur- that album was the current album at the time, Leviathan. Yep. And uh, Brent Brent Hinds has this break in that song. I don't know how to play it. It's very like bluegrassy, like. Uh, something like that you know like a lot of chicken picking or you know
0: nice.
1: something like that i i might with captain hindsight i might put the correct fill in there but it's it stood out for me in metal i hadn't heard like whoa that hillbilly you know yeah. kind of more hillbilly than even Dimebag ever tried to be <laughs> and uh, and and then i thought like okay this is interesting like this is a bit different you know it's not just the shugging and the Screaming, and uh, they have they have other ideas too on what to do with the music. And that was of course Brent Hines uh, on one of the lead guitars, and um, or actually the lead guitar kind of. And then you have Bill Kelly on the rhythm guitar, mostly rhythm. He has some simpler leads, but mostly rhythm. And uh, of course Troy Sanders on bass and vocals, and um, on the drums. What's his face again?
0: <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, Brand, the boyish Brand, looking, yeah.
1: Bran, yeah, that's right. Bran Daler, Bran Stark
0: yeah.
1: <laughs> on, the, on the drums. And <laughs> he, he's, a, he's a very good drummer too. And uh, now he's also
0: on vocals. Yeah, And Brand Tynes too. Extremely good drummer. It's uh, almost like, if, if you want to... Uh, okay, we're we now uh, jumping uh, ahead. But if you listen, maybe we don't find the latest outings from this band. So interesting. But I mean, just listen to the drums. is fucking amazing. It's always good. Uh, yeah. So, like, it's try to good. find some isolated drum tracks on YouTube, and uh, which exists of him just playing the songs. Uh, it's great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I know he's a really cool drummer and uh, very mindful about the way he's tr- his, the sound of the drums, and not really playing to show off. I mean, he was, he's one of those metal guys that learn drumming via fills, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm not sure if Dave Lombardo did that, but I, I kind of recall that he also said something like that, that, you know, just filling along. With the with this uh, whatever music you're listening to, like and he's kind of you know obsessive, obsessively filling on the first two or three albums, but in a in a good way. And I think since then he kind of leaned back a little bit and relies mm-hmm. more on on beats and rhythms, yeah. uh, which makes a good combination. And yeah, again, they all kind of sing. Uh, Bill, the least of them, he doesn't sing on albums, but they pretty much all sing. And I mean, their vocal approaches a bit different I would say like on the first half of their catalog it sounds almost 100% afterthought like you know you make Mm -hmm. the music first but that was also the case with um Maynard James Keenan as addressed in last week's episode yeah that you know the, the vocals and the lyrics are an afterthought and it works really well sometimes and maybe not as good other times like what's your What's your opinion on this not only in mastodon but like in how to write and produce lyrics and vocals for yeah your music. i mean
0: we we touched on this when we talked about dio uh, months right. months and months ago uh, how uh, you know like what what's what's the difference between a singer singer songwriter i would say and like a riff uh, a, a person ba- making songs from the guitar you know that uh, I mean, you kind of if you're a singer that's stuck with the guitarist that just feeds you riff, you gotta find something that fits on top of it. And many times, I mean, with with this sort of bands, uh, I think there that there if there are a lot of egos in the band, it might be hard to even change the riff. Like you know, this would be so much better if you changed that part and so on. And that that I think that is very common. Uh, that you end up, you know, with uh, as a singer, with kind of you, you just gotta sing this part like that because you can't sing it any other way over the riff. Yeah. Um, but I think that's that is a limitation that's also good, um, and it, you don't sure. overwork uh, anything. You know, like the the riff is there; it was very simple to make. Uh, the lyrics will be equally simple. Maybe there's like uh, one instance where you can give your give a flare or like you just do a counter melody or something and. That's enough. I mean, there's um, two sides to this. I mean, if you go in with the notion that everything will be uh, written, (laughs) you know, like if Macedon would write everything, twenty five percent. I mean, now there are four singers, so I don't know that it would take that it would maybe start with the vocals. Um, That there would be a different thing, but I think they can't write like that. Uh, Probably not. At least I haven't seen that or heard it. But a band that they remind me of—I mean, that ha- also have this approach of all- everyone singing—is the Melvins, which is of course uh, an yeah. in- a- a- important influence to uh, Mastodon, and that they actually they they've developed a uh, singing style, like especially when Melvins played together with Big Business, e- everyone was singing. I mean, they were doing. Um, uh, harmony parts. I mean, in their gruff like that, you know. Yeah. Um, but that and that is. Uh, but still, those songs. I mean, they, yeah. I, think, I don't know. I don't think that Mastodon wants it like that. But I think they develop the singing. At least they they know that the singing gotta take. It has to take some space. It has yeah. to have some space to breathe. And I think definitely they they solve that that later. Um, but I think the riffs are still, you know, it's very quite complicated riffs. And I want to ask you about yeah. that later. But um Sure. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah well, um, well that's my take. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean I agree mostly or almost every everything there. Is that I think the band is just not probably not capable of starting from from the vocal side. If they mm-hmm. could, they would, I think. Yeah, um, and I think they it's not also not the case of someone bossing someone around like, hey, you gotta sing on these riffs, because I think Mainly, they compose vocals for their own parts. Yeah. So if Brent has a riff, he composes vocals for that riff and lyrics. Mm-hmm. And um, same goes for Troy and and Bron. And then I think yeah. uh, Bill, again, doesn't really sing in the studio uh, at all. So he just, yeah. you know, when when needed, he comes out live with some extra deep growls or something to put mm-hmm. underneath the
0: other guys. Uh, it's been interesting to follow uh, them. You know, like, I kind of lost track a little bit, but I... I, I always like to watch their behind-the-scenes DVDs because I think they're very good, well done, and interesting also that uh, there's a big difference between, let's say, Blood Mountain and... Um, uh, uh, what's that one called? The, the Hunter, or, you know, like, the, the, the approach yeah. is different. And the cra- uh, Crack the Sky, for instance, you know, there's very different approaches. Um, but still the same four guys, always. Yeah. Yeah. But same for guys. So I think they
1: don't really fight a lot. I think they have like some kind of dynamic that is working, a group dynamic that is working. And I think that might be like quite a big strength of the band because they're always active. You know, you, you keep seeing this name. That's probably how I got into them as well. Right. They managed to probably buy themselves onto a Slayer tour. And then, uh, I'm I'm sure if they've had to buy on, but maybe before that, I think they started out, I saw some some interview that they started out just going up and down the, the East Coast of the States, just going up and down, up and down, and trying to see if, could, like, five or 10 more people come to the same club the second time mm. around. Yep. And a very grassroots method of building the band. Mm. And then they've been very active, right? It's a band that you always see, and I see them on festival bills now for for whenever the festivals can get kicking again. <laughs> Mastodon is there, you know, on many of them. Yeah. So uh, probably good management too. I think they're on Warner or something. gigantic, mm-hmm. like that. Wow. Like that right now. So they it's a success story in a, in a sense, you know, and probably hard work. I think they rehearse quite a bit for a, for a grown-up band, you know. Mm-hmm. They still hit the rehearsal space and they work on their albums for quite a bit, I think like uh, Monday to Friday, but maybe not nine to five, but maybe like noon to five you know um, see see each other jam bring ideas and, uh, and then later start crafting vocals probably around the time they they record it and as for riffs pretty much a gold mine of, of cool riffs I think definitely like uh, the, the first one I featured now it has that kind of... With a bit of odd meters and stuff that gives also that kind of carnivalesque vibe, you know. It's like a horror carousel or something like that. <laughs> uh, it reminds me a little bit of some of the parts in The, Con- the Conjuring that we did way back with um, Dave Mustaine, but in May Conjuring have, you know. Dave is always in a hurry, as you said, you know. <laughs> so And everything is tight and precise and like carrying on. And this is more like co- the carousel is off the rails, you know. It's flying up into the Ether or something, and uh, it's, uh, like rust everywhere. It's really corrupt somehow. Like, <laughs> I, I like that riff. I have since I heard it the first time. So yeah. had to it's feature r- that. It's
0: really really heavy, also down tune like that. I mean, it's really it does add something there uh, because it's such a uh, simple riff. And uh, yeah. that that um, you know what also changed, What I also thought about when you tune down is that the harmonics of the strings also change. Uh, that you get more harmonics as when you tune up or when you're in normal tuning. Uh, yeah. And or the the shorter the the string is, you know, like you you hit it higher up. There's more overtones and stuff going on, and when you um, tune down, it's less or it fur- they're further apart. Um, So there's more of this, you know, like, uh, also what, I mean, it's a bit more, it's harder to hear, you know, where one note stops and one starts, you know, like, it's more like in between all the time, because it's so muddy. That muddiness also adds some, I think, uh, um, to me, uh, like an opposite of tension, like it adds this uncertainty. Yeah. And, And it fits a band like Macedon, I think it fits heavy songs. Like this, and the way they do it. Um, and then I always I also wanted to ask you that um, they have the odd time signature, but do they also kind of start on uh, not on the beat always? But they're like a bit uh, in between. Am I uh, this assessment? Yeah, you're right.
1: You're right. They start a lot on like uh, punches and stuff, and also um, Brown likes to fill over the bar. Uh, mm. You know. So that his fill continues on into the next bar and maybe he hits back in on the on the third or on the second beat of that bar, even mm-hmm. fourth, um, and even extending over the whole next bar too, and into a bit to the next one. So, and uh, it's like there's a, a way to go out of fills that is kind of called like the Lars Ulrich way mm-hmm. um, that Lars probably started doing by mistake. You know, is continuing to fill for too long. And then he comes back in on the snare hit instead of uh, of the one, oh, yeah. and he hits a crash together with the snare, which used to be kind of illegal to do. So, um, but uh, that it comes to great effect. And I've heard like awesome metal drummers start doing this. Nico McBrain in Iron Maiden started doing this very late. Uh, probably heard someone do it and felt like that's pretty cool because you can <laughs> add a certain hang to it, and you know the more uncertain vibe that you picked up on. When you ask this, like uh, you're not really sure where you are, no. uh, and I, I like that with Mastodon. I mean, sometimes maybe it can be a little bit uh, daunting for for the listening experience, or uh, yeah, maybe take away from from the groove of some of the songs, at least in the earlier part of the record of, the, of their recorded catalog. But I think it's also like some of the main game with the band that it's always like kind of spiraling out of order, uh, in and out of order. I would mm. say.
0: Um, yeah, and I mean this. This is from of the first record, right? Am I? Yeah, yeah. First full-length
1: remission, Le- Leviathan. Like, uh, uh, remission, the remission, remission. And then there's like uh, there's a an EP before that that I have is Life's Blood. And there's also like the, this Call of the Mastodon, but I think that's slightly unreleased. Yeah. yeah. Uh, stuff. So this is the first of the Element albums, you could say. You know, oh, yeah. uh, remission being the fire one, and this song March of the Fire Ants, fittingly. Mm. And after yeah. that, they go into Leviathan.
0: Yeah, and Leviathan, I mean, the, there you have the Moby Dick uh, theme. And then with yes. the, and there's a lot of waves. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of waves. I'm uh, seeing this boat, you know, getting thrown up. And uh, this big yeah. whale is uh, hunting, being hunted. And there, I mean this kind of uncertain riffage and uh, drums that, you know, kind of go over the top of the waves is really, like, fitting to that sound also.
1: Right, right. I never thought of that, how the the sound kind of... Yeah,
0: I mean, I kind of made the connection with the riff that was not from that album that you just played, but I think it uh, holds holds true. I don't know, I think they have a good... um, since at least in the start of showing uh, um, uh, picking themes for the albums and uh, yeah yeah it's very al- also exciting you know every time it was it was exciting <laughs> every time they released an album <laughs> maybe they become again um, that okay what's the theme here that we can actually read maybe it's interesting to read the lyrics on this one and uh, uh, yeah from Blood of Thunder uh, no. Um, yeah, yeah, lot, why not? And, and, I mean I was just talking like when I got hands my hands on Crack the Sky, for instance, which is the one I mm, hold the okay, like, yes. highest, I would say. I think that yeah, one is really good cool and uh, yeah, personal record. Yeah. So in,
1: again in, in Blood and Thunder, you, you have of course the very clear uh, main riff, which was also requested by a listener like mm-hmm. several months ago. <laughs> It's just a very simple like phrygian type uh, uh, riff you know it could yeah. be from any old band but uh, you <laughs> know put in the right spot uh, it's a cool riff and i think my favorite if the song is the pre-chorus like the or actually chorus maybe mm-hmm. that one mm. extremely wave-like right yeah
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's a they are also harder than they sound most of masteron songs like to really get the preciseness of it they are kind of um serious musicians I would say even though back in let's say before 2015 or something Brent was always so fucking stoned and high so he kind of you know his live work would be varying in uh, in quality. Yeah, it, as I've seen I've seen them support in the support of first uh, the gig I mentioned uh, with Leviathan with Slayer and then I saw them in support of every single album up till The Hunter. So I've seen them a few times. Yeah.
0: And uh, Brent, there was some uh, drama years ago, wasn't there? Like a bit, uh, he almost died, right? We didn't talk about that in the Queens of the Stone Age episode, but
1: Homi, yeah. he was also kind of out of it, like couldn't move his body and stuff. And when he wrote the tune uh, Vampire of Time and Memory. Uh-huh. Um, and it was a similar situation with, with Brent, but I'm not like 100% sure what actually happened. Mm-hmm. All I know is that he was out. Yeah, like, absolutely out with extreme headaches and couldn't move and things like this.
0: Okay. So, you got uh, some sort of seizure?
1: Yeah, maybe he became more sober after because lately I've seen like he, he doesn't have those eyes on stage anymore that are constantly about to close. <laughs> like, if you look on, at Oblivion from, uh, from late night with, um, yeah, is it late night? Um, he was still on then at the time, David Letterman. And if you look at the end when he sings like Oblivion, it really looks uh, like. He's not even there. Like he's just staring into nothing, which is fitting, I guess, yeah. for the song.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. But he he, decided, he got this face tattoo also, which was I think <laughs> the, one, of, like, one of the first. I mean, before even uh, of the, Post uh, before all the SoundCloud rappers came out with uh, <laughs> face tattoos. <laughs> yeah.
1: Also a nice, simple riff. I remember buying that album and thinking, like, what's it going to be this time with Crack the Sky? Because yeah. after, um, Blood Mountain was slightly more of more of everything as compared to um, Leviathan. Oh, yeah. And then Crack the Sky had a new focus with this slightly progier element. And the first time they bring in Braun as the, at the lead vocals. And I think he does his best job in, in terms of lead vocals on that album in in oblivion, for example, mm. I flew beyond the sun before it was time. I can't sing those notes, but <laughs> it, it's a cool verse. He has a much higher voice than, than most of that band definitely higher than mine
0: wow. uh I think there's um uh there is an opportunity to grow in this band uh, that uh, most <laughs> bands don't have like okay Metallica, for instance. Uh, Kirk Hammett uh, there's no space to grow Uh, there's no space to grow for Jason Newstead and not (laughs) for uh, True Hero but there is some space to grow for uh, James Hetfield but he I mean he obviously has a hard time with it you know, yeah. he, he grows. Uh, sometimes he grows the right direction. And sometimes he, he shrinks back again. But in this band, right. it's like uh, almost you know promoted, and I, I think that's a very positive attitude. Uh, that you know right. they kind they right. want everyone to sing. They want to bring in. Uh, yeah, they want everyone to bring their ideas and uh, and also uh, while like there being quite these personalities uh, that I mean one one I don't know if you've seen this video where. Uh, It's a video for Orange Amps, when Brent Brent Hines is asked to talk about his amp, and he's drunk. I've seen it. As fuck. He's super drunk. I've seen it. And he gets angry.
1: (laughs) It's very weird. The thing is, he gets a really bad tone, too. I can hear instantly, like, shit, this is not dialed well. No. Um, You know, because... (laughs) those things are difficult to like showcase a tone or a rig. It's not enough to just set it up. It's relying on the room and however the guitar is set up. It's not playing on his own guitar and it sounds shitty. So I can see why he's getting angry and like, but the guy, I feel for the guy that is holding that interview. He's just (laughs) fighting to make it sound good. Like, okay, how can I dial it? Uh, It's like nothing works. Mm -hmm. That was a pain to watch that one. And yeah, he has some attitude for sure. Probably because he's been doing a lot of drugs. I would guess. Okay. I would venture yeah. guess that that's a big part of it. Yeah. Uh, he's definitely like this uh, face outwards for drugs. He mm-hmm. and Matt Pike could definitely come in shoulder to shoulder around 2010. Oh yeah, yeah. Since they both
0: uh, stopped.
1: <laughs> yeah, at least Matt Pike completely stopped. I, I yeah. think if if Brent would stop, I think he probably wouldn't say it. If he, he feels like that kind of character, that yeah. he, he wouldn't, he wouldn't want to pose with, <laughs> with his soberness. I guess. Yeah.
0: Um, and uh, but there is something else. Um, I was thinking about uh, the riffs also. How they? Do you think they have kind of progressed also in that um, area? Like with with the uh, the riffs got more complicated, or that they um, you know uh, how how has their approach to riffage changed? Do you think? Like, I mean, you have these three riffs that are quite. Different, but uh, yeah. still, it's early in their career, and uh, maybe you have maybe more fresh in mind the the latest the later albums. Like, do you think there is a difference there, or
1: definitely difference? I think they kind of simplified it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I, I don't know, of, like off the cuff, many of those riffs. Uh, maybe curl of the burl from uh, from the hunter, something like. <laughs> Something like that, anyway. Yeah. With an Octavia effect on and also down to A, but this was in drop D. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that song actually. Some uh, good. Yeah, I was vocal thinking hooks. about that
0: because they kind of actually released very poppy songs also later in their career. Yes. Like, I mean, straight up pop music, Yeah, I would say. Like uh, Mother Load. Uh, mm. This tiny time, then
1: when we make a fine. Something like that. Yeah. Again, it's bronze, so I can't sing it. Uh, it's a good song, but he struggles with it live. I think he pushed it too high. And yeah. Too, like he's drumming uh, uh, drumming away, it's the chorus, and he's supposed to sing it, and she, I think it's impossible for him to do it live. Uh, yeah. Just impossible. Like even when he puts his fullest musical effort into it, still sounds shitty. So I think there he kind of went overboard. I like the song, uh, Mm -hmm. the motherload. It's not a bad one, but uh, you know he's on that double duty in that chorus. He kind of you know he tied his shoelaces together. I think on that one.
0: (laughs) But I mean, sometimes I also kind of when I listen back, uh, when I've been extra harsh on bands. Uh, you know, like change, changing too much. And then I, I feel like, am I this am I this fan, you know, that gets upset when they try to try something new and that's something yeah. that I don't like. And I, I want to kind of avoid that, of course. And I think for the longest time, uh, Mastodon was the kind of band that I wouldn't get disappointed in. I would just say, oh, they went that way. I mean, that's nice. And then, yeah, but the pop song, I have a hard time. I, I thought maybe that... Um, uh, Colony of Birches was was great, but that was just like pop enough for me. That was like, okay, mm. they approached some kind of, maybe, it's almost Queens of the Stone age The Yeah, produced by Yoshomiok's song. Josh Homme also, ah, okay, that song. obviously. Then. He produced only
1: that song. Then <laughs> <laughs> you can uh, hear it like, this forest It's growing faster than <laughs> I can tell. tell. I like <laughs> it's that one. Nice. That, that nice. album is great. It's up there. could be their best. It's up there. You know, you have Wolf is Lose, Uh mm. You have... Um, uh, Sleeping Giant, with that beautiful delay uh, thing. That again, if you know, I, I just it's a pretty hard riffs. So I don't have too many of them under my belt. But if Captain Hindsight is active, I might put a couple of these riffs in there because they're so good. Um, yeah, oh, I also want to start
0: learning um, learning the riffs now. I mean, I uh, like I said before, I'm a bit with my guitar. Like it's not easy, that easy to tune down. But maybe I should get the whammy pedal like you have, and then just yeah. play around with that. Sounds fun. Uh, I mean, I have a v- I can do that in Cubase with guitar rig as well, but yeah, I don't know. <laughs>
1: yeah, it, I mean, now you moved out to the to an analog uh, pedal rig, which is, you know, I never really move back now. I don't use any VSTs for guitar anymore, unless I want like some super weird or strange effect. But uh, I, I really like to be outside of the computer these days. And, you know, I can line it up and play without turning the computer on. It's very nice, very comfortable, so. So I recommend getting a pitch pedal it's just easier that way you can practice songs that are not tuned um, according to your guitar or your guitar's uh, setup Yeah so Mastodon uh, they released uh, after now we touched on like The Hunter quickly Curl of the Bird among other songs it's a good album but it's mm. a lot of short songs it's kind of purposefully made non-proggy after the proggy crack the sky and overall it's like just a collection of songs really and uh, yeah kind of uninspired in some way, even yeah. though it has good content.
0: Uh, didn't I buy uh, Blood Mountain for you? Yeah. And yeah. bring it up yeah, that to, was a gift. Uh, good gift. Where did you live to then? The, Piteo or was Luleå. it Luleå? There was Luleå at the time, yeah, closer. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, way north.
1: Good. Yeah, that was a good one. I think that was kind of also the start of Wolfage.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wolf
1: is loose. Wolfage, <laughs> you know. I
0: don't know what it is with Wolf. Wolf's uh, I mean, new, new Grand Magus. I think Grand Megas yeah. probably has like seven wolf. songs with the word, word wolf. wolf. Wolf, God, God, God. <laughs> That's
1: good. <laughs> wolf. God. <laughs> I'm a wolf, God. I, I think uh, at this time we kind of, maybe it was the start of getting in back into what would become me later becoming a Manwar fan. Like realizing, shit, metal is pretty cool. Mm. Wolves are cool. <laughs> you know?
0: Yeah, the wolf t It's t-shirts kind of the second... That... When you you like ascend to wear the wolf and the full moon t-shirt you know unironically then you're like yeah you're set Ooh. you're set for metal yeah. dead set for metal
1: <laughs> dead set for metal <laughs> and then uh yeah mastodon it's not a super long discography after the hunter they did uh, once more around the sun similar style pretty good uh not gonna feature any riffs from it and then uh M- or of Sand was the last one. And I have a we small a, story from that one involving you, actually. We had a listening party. Yeah, uh, exactly. It might be a good way to round off this Mastodon segment. Okay. And, uh, or maybe, uh, there's a lot to say about them. But anyway, what happened is that uh, me and my friend Christian, I mentioned him last week with the tool episode. We had uh, prepared for, um, yeah, it's a new Mastodon release. Um, we had prepared with like a, a, a low dose of LSD to uh, <laughs> dive into it. Uh, and uh, turn it on, and we were struggling. we were struggling to get into it and get a feel for it mm-hmm. and then it was like yeah let's uh, let's try and turn this this shit fest around. <laughs> so we called down you from from uh, two stories above, above and and ask you <laughs> to load up DJ some ask you to DJ Melvin's for us oh, because yeah. we thought like let's try Melvin's instead maybe that will like hit the spot like uh, we did a very mild dose of acid, but still if if you do that and you hear some Music, you can connect to it in a way, mm. and uh, it really worked. Like you, you saved that day <laughs> by, Have we, I by think playing we a lot of good to, Melvin
0: songs. I think we listened through their whole discography almost. I mean, there's so much, and I, I just played song after song, and they kind of, yeah, it, it really, really worked. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, Melvins. Yeah, we we talked about them already, but in relation to Mastodon. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it, Melvins can be a bit of a hard sell, you know, just to anyone. I think that they're not that uh, easy to get into. But once you do, you become a diehard die fan. You know, that's just how it is. While Mastodon is a little bit more for everyone,
1: I think. Easier to get into, I think. And um, I mean, I'm still a bigger Mastodon fan than Melvins. Like, so I got more grasp on what they've done. But I think at the same time, it was kind of nail in the coffin when, when you yeah. know, when I noticed how much better... It's just better, uh, Melvins wear, at least at that particular time for mm-hmm. my particular ears. It's just I couldn't couldn't get around it, and I still can't to this day. So I don't listen that much to Mastodon, but uh, we are we are like this in this show sometimes, right? We have these <laughs> bands, and it's like there's a point when we stopped, and I think this is very common. And I'm no longer like afraid of being a grumpy or anything because I still celebrate whatever time I had with the band. And I'm still happy they're out there gaining new fans.
0: Well, I think that that's super important also for how you listen to music. I mean, you want new things all the time, but you uh, you got you build up this uh, kind of canon of uh, music that is your like what, what makes your music taste, and you you remember it, you know, fondly. And for the longest time, <laughs> I had a hard time listening to Metallica. You know, I, like I, there was something I listened to when I was 14. And then right. it kind of came back because I, I, we started talking about them and we got so into it. And I think also with, with Mastodon, now I really feel like uh, learning the riffs and uh, <laughs> watch all these videos again, you know, like when uh, Troy Sanders is showing his bass, uh, this pedal board. Uh, <laughs> yeah. What is it it's called? Like I think he oct- bought this Taurus,
1: like uh, Geddy yeah. Lee uses, which is yeah. a MOG synthesizer activated by feet. You know, yeah. kind of like this part of a, uh, or could be part of a church organ if it was yeah. acoustic. It, it feels uh,
0: like this thing that the, they throw into one song, and then it's like that's yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just because they have
1: enough enough money to put it on the road. If if they even, I don't, I'm not sure if they even. Maybe they just use it in the studio. You know, just uh, as as kind of tribute to Geddy Lee. And also, I noticed that he put in some of the Geddy Lee uh, chicken headbang. You know, oh,
0: yeah.
1: uh, kind of. Rip, rip. Oh. It's hard to show this on radio. But you can, you can see my head going. There's no movement in a horizontal direction. Or, I mean, vertical direction It's pure horizontal headbang. Like a, a bird yeah. picking. <laughs> it, looks, it looks pretty cool when he does it. I, I like that they, they throw in their tributes here and there. They are big fans of uh, King Diamond, Merciful Fate, Iron Maiden, Metallica for sure. And they were formed, as I said before, on a High on Fire gig meeting there and forming the band so yeah i think this uh, is a gang of music lovers yeah and i and like uh, that i like that
0: a bit of trivia i mean brent, brent heinz he always uh, they always save the first take on his solos right
1: pretty much yeah it's, it's pretty, pretty really, that's pretty
0: crazy you know he's uh, that's <laughs> that's a good guitar yeah. player right there now i uh, remember
1: because of that i remember this dive bar video that they did where they played a tiny dive bar and uh, mm-hmm. I'm not gonna get in deep on that, but it was uh, I recommend it. I think it was K, Kerrang or K Pitt or something. And uh, and uh, in, in the first song, uh, Brown uh, breaks his snare head, I and uh, he has to change it. And while there's a changeover, because this is a tiny bar, uh, Brent just solos in the air during the whole changeover, <laughs> and just completely saves the entertainment value of that part of the show, which I find is great. You know, it's just yes. great. He Just stands there, maybe. Glancing over his shoulder, and then he sees okay, snare is back on. He finishes his solo run
0: and into the rest of the set. Professional Uh, in a way. uh, Yeah. One question for you: What what did you think about their Stairway to Heaven" cover?
1: Mm, Too faithful. Like, just they're just playing the song.
0: Yeah, I agree. It was uh, quite unnecessary. I was like, oh shit, this is exciting. What are what are they gonna do? You know, like uh, they're gonna totally re redo it. And I think that it's really a song that could be. Reimagined, you know, in very, very uh, with, with yeah. some good results. I mean, if you dare to take the risk, but then to make it like a complete, uh, faithful,
1: I don't know. I think it was some kind of tribute to a fallen member of their crew or something like that. So mm-hmm. I guess, you know, it's all fine and well, but uh, not, a, not, a, not an awesome cover, no.
0: Yeah. I mean, they also covered the bit that we uh, featured when we talked about uh, Melvin's, yeah. uh, which I think is also better. quite faithful, but I think they played it live a lot and I, uh, yeah. early. To fill out their set, and I think that's a good choice for them. Definitely, it is. It is. All right. Uh, cool. Yeah, pick one of those riffs. Pick any riffs that you can do, and uh, just any play riff. us out for for this part of the show. All right. it's, uh, an nice one nice one uh, really like blood and thunder riff is really fucking good man it's uh simple but effective and also really powerful classic I enjoyed it a lot thank you uh moving on so i got the capo on the second fret and uh, what does that mean yeah let's see hey hmm. <laughs> Right. Cool.
1: Uh, very Celtic sounding. This is my first. <laughs> like uh, a lot of these. Uh, let's see if my acoustic is with us. Uh,
0: you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and this one is so nice.
1: Yeah, so um, uh, obviously I relate you, those g- type of things to a new wave of British heavy metal because they do a lot of these, you know, like. Uh, uh, but um, this particular set of riffs, I guess uh, I'm not going to
0: be able to guess it. <laughs> no, uh, it, it, it has been he has been mentioned. He uh, has been semi featured, but it is uh, a deep dive. It is a deep cut. Uh, in music history, I would say. But uh, quite important, very important for me, personally, Um, when I went to see them. uh, The band is called King Tough, uh, and the guitarist is called Kyle Thomas. And Kyle Thomas also made um, the witch riff that we had in the Dinosaur Jr. intro. um, uh, This one, let's see. You remember? Yep, way back when. And uh, so, yeah, he, he is, uh, you know, in the in the gang with uh, Jay Maskis and uh, uh, all these cool people from Seattle. Um, but he has his own band called King Tough, and I mean, it's, it's, they're quite nice. I mean, it's. Uh, the first, this was the first song I heard from them. It's called Anthem, uh, and that's a very apt name. I think it's a very anthemic uh, song that is, does all this this octave jump up also uh, in the lead lead riff part. There, it's uh, yeah, I, I think it's very good, They're very very effective, um,
1: like a Celtic fanfare, you know.
0: Yeah, also, like yeah, it, it has this uh, this aura. And uh, yeah. it feels like a very uplifting riff, but it, it was also funny when you played the first, uh, the march of the fire ants. That I was like, ah, he has this, uh, he has some uh, pull offness going on because mm-hmm. that, yeah. it, 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 right. there, there is a, there is, it, they're not totally dissimilar. The riffs, the rhythm,
1: the rhythm of those pull offs, yeah. uh, even though they are um, heavy and um, uh, dissonant, it's the same rhythm. Like
0: that. Definitely.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's nice. It's, you you get happy just playing these things. Like. Yeah. <laughs> that was my adaptation there. Without. Yeah.
0: Obviously, so it goes. Up, it's so nice. <laughs> ah, I, I like that so much. And the first time I heard it, I was like Wow, uh, I got happy. And I, I just huh. moved to Amsterdam. And this was like a song that just... Uh, 2012. Kind
1: of... uh, 2012, right? Yeah. 2012.
0: 2012. Uh, yeah. So I discovered this uh, this song because I have been listening to Witch, of course. And uh, I was a bit curious, you know, like what uh, this Kyle Thomas has been doing. And I saw that yeah, he has another band. He has King Tough. Uh, I have to check it out. And... And then this this is the first song of the, um, their second album, uh, the self-titled King Tough. And I was like, oh, blown away. This is just so much fun riffage and uh, kind of low fi Also, I'm playing it a bit, it's a bit, it sounds a bit tougher now <laughs> on my guitar today. Mm-hmm. I just I just like to play like that, um, but, but still quite close. And then the rest of the album is a bit, it's almost like they're, there, it's not bad but it's a different kind of music it's like filler for for this like this is the main anthem and then the rest is kind all of right, just right. kind of hokey pokey fun <laughs> I don't know and I, I remember my friend Oscar who had introduced me to which years earlier he was like a big fan of them and he was so angry that this king tough you know what why is he doing this music he didn't like it at all and I was like anthem is pretty good yeah yeah that one's really good but the rest is like Bleh. um <laughs> but I dig, did uh, dig through their um uh, discography, a bit, just to uh, find another riff, and I did find one that I thought was of the second album. I just feel like I have to play it, and here we go. <laughs> Yeah, I brought out the Octaver there. I think it's yeah. really fun. I was gonna um, say
1: n- nice use of Octaver.
0: Yeah, and it is in the song as well. And and when I heard that one, I was like, okay, but this it's kind of I mean this could also and I thought I think that one I'm you have to stop me. I'm I'm talking now a lot. So uh do you want to say something? about this Sorry. band
1: i guess I, yeah thank you <laughs> even though i didn't have anything directly but uh, i was thinking about one thing uh, yeah. about just about the riff not about king yes. tough or, or this dude and is mm-hmm. that this uh, we were talking about um, getting into a band and then perhaps leaving the band at some point uh, to carry on uh, with something else or yeah. go further like there is these parts of uh, there are these parts of um, of your brain that are completely hardwired and you're never going to leave them. uh, Like you mentioned last week with, you know, your Aramaidens, your Metallica, your Black Mm, Sabbaths mm. and whatnot. (laughs) And uh, for me, definitely with those kind of... (laughs) Terrors. I always go back to, you know, we will get to them eventually because I have to, but, you know, riffs like... Uh, all, all i'm thinking of when i hear this is like the first three iron maiden albums and uh, how fun it would be to play in a band that maybe did an even lighter version of of those oh, yeah. three albums yeah you know? like an oh, wow. even more happy and funny early maiden <laughs> you know
0: yeah and i think i think that's also like the uh because yeah i mean uh i don't know is is it uh you have to you will edit it out if it's um uh if it's too much of a spoiler but we're working towards a maiden special i think it's worth saying you know like for once i think it's worth uh,
1: saying because we're getting close to actually do it now so
0: yeah yeah very and much i've been having I, I i it said it, i mentioned in a couple of episodes back that i was having really trouble with with something but now it's really like something broke the wall so like now i'm like riffing maiden like crazy i'm having a really fun time and then uh when I was, uh, there was, uh, I'm not going to mention which songs it was, but like you say, I mean, it really, uh, I, I when I was playing it, I was reminded by, and uh, I reminded of this riff, the a- anthem by King Tuff. I was like, oh, I never played that riff. Like, let's take it out. Let's check it out. And, um, and it was like very similarly fun to play, uh, very like yeah. melodic. And also I think the intro is fun. It's almost like, um, it has this uh quality like rumble that you can fill in your own things because it's so stupidly simple like just this part uh... also (laughs) you know like you can (laughs) just do stuff in between and just have a fun time and i um... Yeah, so I'm getting to like my, my, my personal uh, story. I just moved to Amsterdam and I discovered uh, this song and I was like oh playing it all the time and I started meeting the, uh, started seeing this girl and I uh, and she saw then I played the, the song for her and she's like, oh, it's pretty cool. And she saw, of course she's much she very good at finding stuff like this. She saw that they were actually playing. At the place where she usually go and goes to dance, uh, New New Anita, uh, this cool little club that has um, like you come in and it's just like a regular uh, Amsterdam brown bar, and uh, and but w- but there is like a secret compartment in the in the end of the room behind a bookcase, just like Anne Frank uh, used to hide behind the bookcase, you know, like a fake wall. There is right. also like a fake uh, space in there where. It's like two floors um, with uh, two bars, one up and one down, and a stage uh, where band, bands can play. So you can see the band also from a uh, uh, balcony, uh, which circles the stage. And the stage is like, yeah, on the dance floor. So th- it's not raised. So it gets this e- extremely immediate, um, uh, very, uh, what do you say, um, intimate Intimate, uh, yeah. I want to say intimate surroundings. So like it's perfect for like this kind of gigs. So it's really like elevates if it's a good band. It really like they they are they're elevated by the space. So we went to see, and this was our second date, I think. Um, and uh, we went to see uh, uh, King Tough, and it was just like a blast. Uh, they ended with uh, Anthem, uh, the song mm. that I've been playing. And, but but before that the crowd has been had been gone wild and people had been stage diving from the balcony <laughs> which is like the most <laughs> insane thing it's quite high it's like yeah it's like you know two and a half meters yeah uh, <laughs> And they've been jumping down <laughs> and there was this, there was this girl standing like in the in the front row quite young but she was like really you know, into Kyle Thomas and in after. Uh, like, in, in, in the middle of Anthem, she jumps up to him and uh, kisses him, you know? <laughs> really, like, a <laughs> deep kiss on the mouth. And, like, it, the place just explodes. And he is so happy, you know? Like, he's having the time of his life. And, yeah. uh, you know, I was like, this is so cool. And it was, so like, also very romantic to be on a date. And it's, it's kind this of like happened.
1: being... Uh, quick comparison. It's kind of like being on, on, on that street when the World War ended. You know that classic... Imagery, you know, there's yeah. a soldier kissing some, some woman or something out of the blue, which was rare. Yeah. And it feels like some kind of scene like that, you know, like mm. a, absolutely I, celebratory. And then with the song called Anthem, you know, it all kind of falls together, even though I weren't, wasn't there. I haven't heard mm. this anecdote before. It's just really, that's pieces falling together in the right yeah. order, isn't it? Everything is just set. Everything is r- Romantic is a good
0: word. Yeah, but then then it kind of okay. So he's like, then it kind of turns, almost turns, it turns really sour. sour, really <laughs> sour, <What's laughs> really fast. Now? Yeah. Um, so I'm he's like, yeah, you seat. know, he's playing the the, the last notes, like uh, you know. Oh. Yeah. Thank you, Amsterdam. Wow. You know, like it's over, and yeah. and. Uh, uh, me and uh, me and the, the girl were like, yeah, wow, cool. And uh, we go up to talk to him. Like, after a while, you know, he's a, it's very, you know, they're not a big band, so they're doing their own cleanup, you know? Yeah. And obviously. we go up and we say, oh, wow, what a great show. And he immediately, like, kind of laser focuses on the girl I'm with. Like, I, I'm kind of feel, you know, <laughs> left yeah. behind. I'm standing there <laughs> like, oh, yeah, it's a nice show, man. Yeah, yeah. He's like, yeah, yeah whatever. So... Hey, what what are you doing after the show? She asks. He asks the girl, <laughs> and I'm standing there like the the ground is falling away under my feet. I feel so bad. And then she says, like, hey, no, I'm with this guy." And I f- I'm like, "Oh, yeah. I feel like the coolest." <laughs> I feel so <laughs> cool. I mean, like you know, like there's this rock star that's just been kissed by this young girl, and everyone yeah. loves him. And then you know he tries to get on with the this girl oh, wow. and she's like very like matter-of-factly just like not even thinking about no i'm with this guy and he totally loses steam he lo- yeah he loses steam totally he's like deflating and i'm not like this is not like i'm not ha- happy about that but i was really happy in the moment that <laughs> she was like no i'm with this guy what and really uh, yeah was and that that he was... should have
1: sang he should have sang oblivion at that point I flew beyond yeah. the sun before it was time. <laughs> That's what he did. I <laughs> <And, laughs> flew beyond the uh, yeah. sun before it was time.
0: Yeah. And that was, uh, that was Yvonne, of course, my uh, girlfriend. And we have a kid now. So, I mean, that was like the start of our relationship. Just this, like, she uh, turning down the rock star <laughs> and, <No. laughs> and making me feel like a million bucks. It was really cool. Uh, nice. And I, I, you know, it's, it was all in good fun. I think, in a way, he, he didn't care so much. But he, he had, it was a really good, uh, good uh, concert. Fucking amazing. Uh, but the, the story also for me personally that tied in, and like I still get very happy uh, remembering this whole thing when I played this riff and uh, listened to this band. Gotcha. Gotcha. very simple
1: translated quite well over here too and i was thinking like it must be yvonne and then i was thinking maybe he's so ballsy that as he's coming with this romantic story from a, a previous date because <laughs> 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 she doesn't really listen to the show anyway and i mean it's okay everyone has had multiple dates by the age of 30 plus but it's yeah. even better when it ends with um, uh, your like your current life i guess it leads into that smoothly true, true. and uh, good scene well, funny scene yeah. and he did he did do an icarus there you know he he tried too hard Icarus. the, the yeah, ground the yeah, yeah. uh, ground the ground fell off underneath his his feet not yours
0: exactly <laughs> <laughs>
1: nice taster <laughs> nice taster <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's looking the forward to that, reason. dear listener,
1: looking forward to it. I've been ready for a long time. It's, uh, <laughs> we will get into it in detail when we do it, but it's a bit different than Metallica that we both obsess over because my mm. obsession of Iron Maiden is, is, of course, way larger than Ulle's. So I'm kind of just... A, when he mentioned that we might do a, a special, I said that, okay, you've said enough you're, or you said too much. It's going to have to happen. So I'm <laughs> glad that you're getting into the riffs.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, just uh, i don't know i mean this kind of it, uh um uh, saying something maybe about uh if you get the so you get like a feel for what kind of music it is also that he makes is uh king tuff is very influenced by t-rex uh the 60s mark uh the 60s guitar hero mark bolan who you may know um who has uh, this uh, this riff which i think is uh very influential on, on King Tuff. Mm-hmm. Twenty century boy. Uh, nice I wanna tone. be your toy. <laughs> so <laughs> really fucking heavy. Uh, out of the 60s with uh Octaver of course uh it's um yeah Mark Bolan this uh, character had a, a top hat and um has maybe the coolest I mean maybe I'll bring him back he should be a feature but he has really like the coolest way to say yeah like I can't yeah No, but he has this like <laughs> it sound you like it's and really really good there's so really many good. cool ways to say yeah you know yeah but he has like yeah! Like in the 60s, I was like, yeah, really tough, like really brutal almost. And then this pretty heavy fucking riffs. Uh, but I think we, we'll leave it for another time. <laughs> yeah. Now I'm stuck in different ways to say, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like my head is spinning around, like,
1: yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or, uh, <laughs> don't take his way, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh, we great. have to do that episode soon, man. It's, it's taking over my brain.
0: Definitely. Uh, Well, I'll play the, the riff one more time so we'll remember it. Yeah.
1: Set of riffs, yeah. And uh, what have we learned today? I think I'm gonna do it like that, like a teacher. What have we been (laughs) teaching ourselves today? Like, we've been talking about the bands moving in different directions, or uh, like how democratic is the songwriting or riff writing process with uh, Mm. bands like Mastodon doing it all together and you know, definitely keeping the fort uh, somehow, some way. I think no one leads that band really. And then uh, mm. we've been talking about Celtic love anthems and uh, flying too close to the sun. Don't do that, you know. Don't, exactly. if you have, if you won, take, you, take your earnings. <laughs> Leave the casino. <laughs> Don't try too hard. I think his night definitely took a turn for the worse at that point. <laughs> Maybe, but <laughs> he was not Amsterdam, over, I'm, over, I'm over. I'm over dramatizing it, but it was a fun, uh, fun story. And I think, I guess there's something to learn from everything, right? <laughs>
0: Well, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely like uh, Riff yeah, uh, Riff Joy to uh, sure. join you here every week uh, playing hard and heavy and uh, practicing also fun. And uh, yeah, I mean, before this I was like uh, feeling uh, kind of a little bit ill uh, having a cold, but now I feel it's almost gone. I feel really good. I think I played it out of my system. And then, right, right, Yeah, It's almost
1: like a change of season for us, even though we're doing it continuously, because we we have a half-half year or a quarter year worth of episodes done. So I'm kind of looking back at it, see what we have done and what I want to do again or what we want to do again, as well as coming up with some new ideas. So exciting times ahead, I do believe.
0: Oh, most definitely. Uh, I also found my way back you know, into... Uh, into riffing for a while i was like so stressed about everything that i didn't have time for it i felt but right now i feel really good about it and uh, i think it's has something to do with the upcoming episode as well and plans beyond that which i'm very excited about uh awesome. so thank you for listening dear listener i'll uh, play something uh and uh we'll see you next week see ya ciao mm-hmm.